Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire and welcome to Master Leadership. Great leaders ask great questions and this podcast takes you on a journey to master leadership with questions that matter to leaders who matter with your host, Lily Sinabria. Hi, this is Lily, and welcome to Master Leadership Through Crisis series, where we will connect with leaders worldwide to gain insights on important questions to help us navigate these rough waters. If you would like to participate as a guest, or if you have a question that you would like to ask, go to masterleadership.org forward slash podcast. That's masterleadership.org forward slash podcast for more information. Today we're speaking with Justin T. Miller. He always aspired to use his leadership to create impact, but he never imagined he would land in the middle of one of the greatest humanitarian crises of our generation, HIV AIDS. He always had his sights set on corporate leadership, but fell in love with the nonprofit sector when he founded an organization called Care for AIDS in 2007 to serve the most vulnerable people living with HIV in East Africa. Justin was attending Vanderbilt University as an undergrad, and apart from leading a couple of student organizations, he was relatively untested in leadership. Then he was confronted with the reality of HIV-AIDS in East Africa and felt compelled to help. At 19 years old, he founded Care for AIDS from his dorm room in Nashville. After 12 years, the organization now serves 68 communities in Kenya, Tanzania, and Uganda, employing over 200 people and impacts more than 5,000 families each year. Justin is passionate about helping nonprofits have world-class leadership to serve their clients, donors, and team members in a way that allows all stakeholders to thrive. Welcome, Justin Miller. How are you? Doing well, Lily. Thanks for having me. Are you ready to pour into our listeners? I would love to. Great. Justin, tell us a bit about your path to leadership and what you're doing now. Yeah, well, my path is unconventional, but maybe a lot of people's also as well. Mm -hmm. My path started when I was 19 years old, what? Uh, having not led much in my life, except a, a few clubs Friends. here and there. <laughs> and I got confronted with what many consider to be the greatest global crisis of our generation, the HIV AIDS pandemic. And mm -hmm. I felt like I had not only the ability, but a responsibility to help in some way. And so I jumped in starting an organization, which I felt very ill-equipped to do at 19 years old, called Care for AIDS, and have been leading that now for the past 12 years. And so from leading a brand new startup nonprofit, where it was just me working in my apartment, to where we are today with over 200 employees, I've kind of gotten to see what leadership looks like at different stages along this journey. But I'm thankful that I've been able to be in essentially the same leadership role for more than a decade now and have gotten to see the organization grow during that time. 
Wow. So at 19, people are typically partying um, and not starting non-for-profits. How did that come about? Well, you know, another source of unlikely inspiration, I actually was moved by a presentation that I heard from Bono, the lead singer of U2. Mm-hmm. His call was really to the, the church being the larger faith community to say, hey, what are you doing about this pandemic? Um, everybody is coming to the aid of this crisis, but the church is nowhere to be found. So what are you guys going to do? And I, I felt wow. as a member of a church and faith being a central part of my life, I said, I, I feel like we need to do something about this. So I went on a trip to Kenya with a couple of friends of mine to do a documentary about HIV and AIDS. And I thought that was going to be kind of my contribution to the fight. And in the process of being there, I met some incredible local leaders that just radically changed my life. And I I got to see the epidemic firsthand and it now had a face and a name and uh, all Mm -hmm. of the people that I've met along the way who were affected by HIV and uh, ended up partnering up with these uh, indigenous leaders there in East Africa and creating the model that we now have today and launched this organization called Care for AIDS. Care for AIDS. So how can we connect with Care for AIDS? Well, you can visit our website, careforaids.org, or you can find us on any of the the social platforms uh, with the handle Care for AIDS. Perfect. And now you have some beautiful pictures behind you. Yes. So are those the leaders that you're talking about? These are actually some of the people who have benefited from our program over the years. Fantastic. Hadija is a friend that I've spent time with on many occasions, and all of our programs are hosted inside Christian churches, and she's one of our most outspoken ambassadors for our program, and she's a Muslim and continues to practice that faith, and that's just one of the beautiful things about our program, that it invites people in from all backgrounds and all faiths to learn and grow and be empowered. Awesome. So, Justin, At the time of this interview, we're in the middle of a global pandemic with the coronavirus. I remember when being positive meant something else. It meant HIV positive, and now testing positive is this corona. How has this affected you, your organization, and your family? On so many levels, it has affected us, I think. And in East Africa, obviously, they're feeling the brunt of this, and my heart goes out to them. Our clients, in particular, 5,000 roughly right now, are living with HIV, one of the most harmful things to them is isolation. And they're now being forced into isolation. Food security is questionable, whether they can access the food supplies they need and just the medical care that they need in order to continue to access their HIV care, but also to appropriately self-quarantine so they don't contract COVID at which they would be very at-risk group for. So Mm -hmm. Clients are in the middle of it right now. Our staff, who is all working remotely, is trying to connect with them all every week by phone to counsel and provide medical consults Mm -hmm. by phone. And so that's been a pivot that we've had to make overnight as an organization. You know, here in the U.S., our team is partially remote anyway. And so it wasn't a huge disruption. I know, I think we're all feeling the challenges of homeschooling kids and being isolated and all of that. We don't know fully the extent of which potentially this economic recession could have on our funding as an organization, but we are trying to just prepare for what the next three months looks like, but also how our organization might be different coming out of this. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people are facing those same uncertainties or what we perceive as uncertainty, right? 
there are some certainties, right? If I stay isolated, I'll be okay. My family will be okay. We're now moving towards considering or thinking about how do we move forward. So what resources, what quotes or advice has helped you most during this crisis? I would say I've drawn a lot of inspiration and support from an article that was written by a friend of mine. It's called Leading Beyond the Blizzard, written by a friend named Andy Crouch. And he just writes a lot about how we're doing a lot of short-term measures to figure out how to lead in this really, really uncertain time. But in the next season that's beyond the blizzard is is a winter that's going to look a little bit different for our businesses and then potentially lead us into what he alludes to as, as maybe a small ice age where it's a totally different season for our organizations and how we have got to quickly set aside the playbooks that we have and look at the resources that we have, the communities that we've been called to serve and quickly rewrite those playbooks in a way that will honor the people that are connected to us, but also utilize the financial and social capital that we have. And so I think for me, as I think about the future, the short term is about how do we make tactical cuts in terms of let's be conservative, let's cut non-essential stuff, let's preserve our cash. But then the long term, it says, okay, we need to think about, are there more radical innovations that we need to rethink based on this crisis? And so I think there's just a lot there. But I think he also gets to the heart of something that I continue to wrestle with, not in times of crisis, of just how do we over-communicate in this time, which we need to do, but that yes. how we find a way to process our own fears that we're experiencing in a way that doesn't raise the anxiety of those while still being open and vulnerable, but knowing that as a leader, we've got to find a way to inspire optimism and hope, definitely ground in reality and not let our own fears and insecurities fill over into our team. Hey leaders, stay tuned for the rest of the interview following this brief message. Want to make your voice stand out to prospective employers, clients, or partners? You don't have to be well known to be a guest on Master Your Swag podcast. In fact, we provide you with all the tools you'll need to be featured and be ready to get noticed. Go to MasterYourSwag.com and claim your spot on Master Your Swag podcast. And I find that having a coach, having a mentor is really important during this time. Absolutely. I've kind of got a baked in group of mentors. I mean, my board of directors in many ways, they are some of my closest advisors and always are looking for what's best for care phrase, but also for me personally. And so that's one of my first mentorship that I've got other folks around me as well, especially the peer group. We try to be a gatherer of other nonprofits often because we think we can just learn a lot. But even now, I'm thankful for the peer group that I have other organizations that are getting on the phone and saying, okay, what are you thinking about? What are you doing? Um, so that's been incredibly helpful. Right. Because we don't have all the answers. And as leaders, if we've never been through something like this before, um, we're learning along the way. And so it's so important to connect and connect socially. So, you know, I've been talking about how we need to change the narrative. And we use this term a lot, social distancing. And every time I hear it, I cringe because I think it'll have deep effects on us psychologically as we move forward. I think we need to physically distance, but socially, like you said, overconnect because it's needed. I need hugs. It's it's difficult. Yeah, it is. And it's very obvious with our clients in East Africa, 
but even here, I mean, prior to this whole pandemic, we have an epidemic of loneliness in our culture. And this is just making that even more apparent as people are feeling like they're lacking that community and that connection and how do we create that virtually and, and hopefully we'll come out of this with a new appreciation for that social connection. I do agree. Physical distancing is a much better term for it than, than social. This runs so deep. What you just said, how people are lonely and this is exacerbating that situation. I think we need to do this on a large scale to make sure that when we go out, we don't shift our vision when we're walking towards someone. Oh my God, what do I do? But we look at them, maintain safe distance and say, good morning. How are you? Even though we're distance, the fact that people are at home, they're in their yards, they're walking. I know their connections being formed yeah. with neighbors that you've been living next to for 10 years because this is forcing some new connections with people that live around you. And so that's a very silver yeah. lining. Right. We have to be intentional about doing that. Now, many use the term lifelong learner. What does that mean to you? And what are you learning right now? I love the term, whether it's overused or not. I aspire to be one. I hope I'm considered one. When you're around a lifelong learner, you know it because they have a wealth of new ideas that they're thinking about, that they've been exposed to. They typically have a lot of great stories because they're intentional about reading widely, meeting new people, going new places. I think there's something that's such a connection that you can form uh, as a lifelong learner. And I think for me, being a lifelong learner, really it, it cultivates a couple things in me that I think are so important for leadership. I think it cultivates humility and creativity. And I think both of those are so key because- You're speaking my language. The more you learn, the more you realize you don't know. And it also just gives you so much more to draw from in your leadership. So I am a big fan of that idea. For me, obviously right now it's leading in a time of crisis. I'm learning how to do that. I don't know if I've ever really had to lead our organization through a season like this. So that's still an ongoing learning. Last year, I, I wrote and published my first book, which that was a year's worth of learning right there, just packed into that whole process of writing, publishing, and then trying somewhat successfully to sell books. That was a whole big thing that I really enjoyed learning last year. And then, you know, and what's I've the name of your book? Beyond Blood, Hope and Humanity in the Forgotten Fight Against AIDS. Where can we purchase it? You can purchase it on Amazon. You can purchase it through my site, justintmiller.com. It's written with my two co-founders who are Kenyan. So we each write about a third of the book. And so as much as my story may resonate with some of you who grew up in a privileged Western culture, I think you will find so much interest in reading from the stories of my co-founders who are from very opposing tribes in the country and grew up in extreme rural poverty in Kenya and have now helped to build this organization. So it's been a cool project to do that. I appreciate you sharing that. We're all learning through this time of crisis and your input is really important. So Justin, when you think of leadership today, hmm. what most concerns you and what are you most hopeful about? I think the thing that concerns me most is I wonder if we're doing enough to develop the next generation of leaders. I think there are some gaps that are going to be present in both the character development of strong leaders in terms of just humility, sacrifice, ownership, resilience. There's so much there that I don't know if we're doing enough to cultivate. Then actually some of the skills that leaders need to possess around communication and creativity. 
these social and emotional aspects of leadership are critical and we need yes. more of that. But at the same time, I think the other side of that coin is what I'm hopeful about is that I think our people and our organizations are starting to demand more from their leaders. They expect more and leaders that are just in it to exploit or to take advantage or to use power for their own gains. Those are organizations that are either going to have to adapt and change and raise up new leaders or the organizations just are not going to be successful. Um, I hope there's a new day coming where people are saying, okay, I now see organizations and leaders who have a different why and they're leading in a different way. And I want to be a part of that organization. So I think top talent is going to keep being attracted to a new standard of leadership. And hopefully that'll force a change in how we think about this going forward. And I love that. And I don't think we have to wait till people are in organizations to teach them leadership. I think it starts in education. It starts in the home. It starts in faith-based organizations as well. It's a movement. So this is part of the movement. So welcome to the movement. So I have a question from a former guest. This comes from Shana Rattler. She wants to know, in what ways have you overcome times when you didn't have all the answers, but those you led expected you to? We're in the middle of one of those tough times. We don't have all the answers. This is not the first time I've been in an uncertain time as a leader, but it's definitely the most pressing and relevant today is I think one, we have to rely on the trust that we have built with our people, our internal people, but also our external donors and partners. And, and we've built a lot of trust. And a lot of people, like you said, are looking to me for answers. And I think for me, that is where I have to strike this very careful balance of being authentic. And I like the word authentic better than vulnerable, but I think the word of just being clear and transparent and open with what we're working on, what we're thinking about, and not even presuming to know all the answers. I don't think we have to always present ourselves as leaders as having all the right answers we have to invite our teams in our uncertainties, in our weaknesses to help make us better. So for me, I just have to tell my team, I don't have all the answers. This is what I'm trying to do to learn the answers. And since we've built a level of trust here as a team, I hope you will trust me that I'm going to continue to, to act in the best interest of you in this organization. And through that, the team, I think, feels more connected and more unified as opposed to the leader who says, hey, I've got this, don't worry, and just doesn't let his team into those challenges. I really appreciate you sharing your heart here. Now, as a listener of this podcast, what is a question that you would like a future leadership guest to respond to? I would always be curious to know for a leader to tell me about one of their hardest leadership seasons or a failure that they experienced as a leader and what did they learn from that I think we just learned so much from people who have overcome hard times as opposed to people who are only learning from the good times. I always love to hear from leaders who have overcome failure and are willing to share what they've learned from it. Well, stay tuned because I will ask that of the next person that I interview. That's a great question. Now, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners, Justin? I would just say that this is the season for us as leaders to really shine. We have a choice of what we are going to project out into the world. Is that going to be hope and generosity or is it really going to be creating more fear and mm. selfishness? And I think we get a chance to set the tone for a lot of what is going on in the world right now. And in leadership, the motives matter. And it's 
really important for us as leaders to know why we're leading. And hopefully that motive is based in wanting to help add value to people and create positive change. And so I think that right now um, we have a chance to steward our leadership extremely well and create a positive narrative about leaders around the world through trying to serve and add value in this time. And I hope that everyone who's listening to this will seize that opportunity and lean into the chance to really make an impact. Well, Justin, I thank you for leaning in and making an impact here. Thank you for adding value to me and to our listeners. It's been a great conversation. Thank you, Lily. In closing, here's a quick message. Coaching is the art of influence that underpins leadership in the 21st century. It is the very thing that can get you from being stuck to being extraordinary. So go to masterleadership.org and sign up to get a free coaching session. Until next time, continue to ignite that leader in you.